Good to see you all in church. Maybe become active if you sit, just stand on your feet, move a bit around and say hi to someone and say it is an amazing church, an amazing night. How good to see you. You know, I think an amazing church has amazing pastors and your pastors, Leo and Susanna, they are named Bigger, a Swiss, a, 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 an English name for a Swiss couple. So I think that must be prophetic. So making things bigger, better, that's what they are doing. And so we love them. They are a bit naughty pastors, but in Holland, our church is named Doorbreakers. That's a very naughty name in Holland. So we can have it when people do strange things on our platform. But I will be polite tonight. So don't worry if you are English and say, hey, but we will be okay. We will be okay tonight. Uh, so... Um, I love the worship tonight, and especially the song that was like, something like, we serve a God that knows how to triumph, something like that, and the victory is ours, and we will conquer our giants, because that's exactly where my message is about tonight, and uh, because, you know, doorbreakers in Dutch means breakthrough, people that break through. People that don't stay where they are, they break through in relationship, in finances, in difficult situations. And so I want to talk about hearing the Holy Spirit for your breakthrough. And I think if you have breakthroughs by hearing the Holy Spirit, you have great stories to tell. And God loves great stories. If you think about that the story of Goliath is still being told. After all those centuries, it's just a story of a young boy beating a giant and God loves those stories. And even the world that never goes to church listens to those stories and knows, are knowing those stories. So your stories, your challenges today, your stories have a huge potential. When you have your victory and you step out with your story, people will be built up and encouraged to seek their victory, but also to find Jesus. Good. Before I start preaching, I brought my wife with me. And her name is Ilona, and um, we are married for 30 years. Uh, just show yourself. I think we have, yeah, we, yeah, just, we have a picture from 30 years ago. Look at that. She's unshined, still as beautiful as always. And uh, she's a granny. We have four kids and two grandkids. And so that's, that's an amazing, uh, that's an amazing privilege to be grandparents. And, you know, our romance started 30 years ago in a small village in the Netherlands with only 4,000 people, a very religious, conservative village. I don't know if you have them in Switzerland, but we have them in Holland. And in that village was happening nothing. And you need to know, Ilona was at that time, um, she was only 14. It's a bad story for people that you want to educate how to date properly. But she was 14. And she will always say, if I tell the story, no, no, I was nearly 15, as if that is making a difference. Uh, it's not. Um, anyway, she was 14, and, and she decided, she knew, I didn't know, but she decided in faith that I was going to be the husband of her life. And nothing happened in that small village in the, in the year, but there was only one annual market that was as big as this auditorium. And the whole village, including all the youth, was hanging out there. So did we. And she with her girlfriends uh, was like 
chasing me down on that small market. And I brought some pictures because uh, Ilona was 14. You can see that. She's, he's driving, she's riding a Dutch bike. And I'm the hunk on the motorbike, 17 years old. And now you know why she decided I was going to be the husband of her life. Anyway, she was hunting me down on this market. And there was no safe place for me. So finally, I found there were some people already in that time evangelizing in the small village, trying to convert people. And so I thought that's a safe place to hide. So I hide behind those people that were on the Great Commission. They were handing out leaflets with a message on it. Uh, there is hope. But Ilona and her girlfriends, they found me behind those people. And in a moment of despair, I, I grabbed one of the leaflets and I gave it to her. And now she had not only have faith, now she had also expectation because there is hope. <laughs> so you need to know if you want to go to your destiny and you might have any destiny in mind, today we travel by plane. And by traveling by plane, you need two wings. On one wing you can fly. And many Christians have only one wing. They have the wing of faith. God is my healer, he's my provider, he's my deliverer, he's my warrior, he's my righteousness. That's all great. But on one wing you cannot fly. You need two wings. And the other wing is expectation. What do you really expect? So if, if it's going to be fulfilled, what your breakthrough is, what do you expect? How does it look like? How does that feel like? That makes your faith practical. Anyway, Ilona now had faith and expectation. I gave it to her. So the next morning, she took off. <laughs> I went to my work on this motorbike, and she was waiting for me in a small alley where I could not escape. And then she stopped me, 14 years old. Only, so she's ashamed now. <laughs> 14 years old. She stopped me, and she seduced me to kiss her. And when I did, I couldn't resist. She said, now we have a relationship. <laughs> and that's why we are here together today. But the truth of the story is this, that Jesus knew that you would be in this auditorium today. He knew. And as Ilona was waiting for me in that alley because she knew I was passing by, she even skipped school for it. Jesus, did not skip, Jesus didn't need to skip school. But he waited for the woman at the well. And he knew exactly what to ask. And he knew exactly what to say. He heard it from the Holy Spirit. And this woman was ashamed for her background, who she was and what she did. She was like changed by the touch of Jesus. And she had her breakthrough. And she came free. And the whole city was changed. And today you might, be, you, might be, you might be here with challenges, maybe financial, relational, maybe in your health. But your story, your breakthrough is a story that will make you so powerful when you tell it to your friends, to your family, to your colleagues, wherever you go, that it will inspire people to see their own breakthrough, but also to find Jesus. So let's work tonight on our stories. What I see in Holland, and I know the Swiss people are totally different. You know, Dutch people, you will know if you, if you have some holiday here in the country and you have a group of Dutch people around, when you go skiing, they are loud. They are all over the place. 
Yeah, and you might not like that and think they are too loud. Yeah, uh, but in church, the Dutch are very silent. But I heard the Swiss are the other way around. They are very silent when they are in public, but in church, they are loud. So show me tonight the true Swiss people and be a little bit loud. Anyway, in Holland, what they do is this. When it comes to faith and to believing, they, people have two boxes. One box is the God box, and the other box is the daily life box. And in the God box, they are in the God box when they are in church. They are in the God box when they serve in the team. They are in the God box when they are in their small group. They are in the God box when they read the Bible in the morning and they pray. And the rest of their life is the daily life. They don't expect to see or to hear God in daily life. But Paul says, the Apostle Paul says, in him we live, in him we breathe, in him we move. Actually, he's saying, he is everywhere where we go. Whether we watch a Netflix series, but if we expect God to answer our questions, he might answer in a Netflix series, even in a bad movie that you should not watch. He does. He is answering by you reading a newspaper. He's answering you by people you meet, Christians and non-Christians. Sometimes God is speaking profoundly through non-Christians to me because I am on the look what God is saying and I am sensitive. So if you are out, you can find God and hear God everywhere. Now, think about David. David, um, he was a shepherd's boy. Um, He didn't have a Bible. He couldn't read his Bible. Uh, and in the meantime, he wrote great parts of the Bible. And so he got the revelation somewhere from. And I think, when I read the Bible, I think that a lot of revelation that David got, he got from what he saw. So, and then in Psalms 139, he's writing, uh, God made us mysteriously complex. So then I question, what is mysteriously complex? What did he saw? What made him writing down, we are made mysteriously complex? You know, he wasn't a doctor that cut people open and it's, oh yeah, quite complex on the inside. He didn't do that. So he, he saw another observation what the complexity is that he saw of humanity. I believe he saw the following. I brought a picture of that from some beautiful sheep he saw. This is what he saw. He said, we are made mysteriously complex. I know you see those as dumb animals. And I know Leo is in the left corner over there. (laughs) And Susanna is over there. And you can give a hunt to your neighbor and say, you are over there. Yeah, they're all sheep. They're all special. Yeah, I like that here on the front row, eh? You belong together? No fight yet about who is what? He's pointing like, you are there, you know? You take a risk. Anyway, they're all special. They're all odd. In fact, I think we, lit, we think even think they're a little bit dumb. And we wouldn't like to be normally be, to be compared with sheep. Because, you know, a sheep, it, it looks a little bit stupid, it acts a little bit stupid, it has no power. Uh, 
But the Bible says we are sheep. And I think if we want to be successful in life, we need to accept the truth that the whole Bible, when it comes to people, talks about sheep. And I think God has done that on purpose. Even if you take Psalms 120, uh, not 120, Psalms 23. He takes Psalms 23. It talks about sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. I don't lack anything. That's, a, by the way, a faith statement because sometimes we lack everything. And we still say we don't lack anything. But it's describing that whether we are on the mountains or in the deep valleys or we face our enemies or we are sick or whatever we need, the shepherd is always close to us. The only thing what we need to do is to follow. So, in fact, it's quite easy if you want to hear the voice of the shepherd, just follow Jesus. So, Jesus said the following in, um, in John 10, verse 27. He said, my own sheep will hear my voice, and I know each one, and they will follow me. I like this a lot. My own sheep. Anything you own, you purchased, costing you a lot of money, you have an eye on. You never keep your eye off. Costing you a lot of money. You protect it. You take care of it because you own it. You are my own sheep. I bought you. I purchased you. So I have my eye on you and get my eye never off you. I know exactly where you are. Maybe you are on the mountain. Maybe you are in the valley of death. Maybe you're facing your enemies, but I know it. And don't think I get my eye off you. My eye is still on you. Although you face difficulties and challenges at the moment, know that I know that you face them. And know that I know that I do not allow that, will, that things will happen to you that you don't have the strength and the power to carry. I will never ever push you behind your limits. We know we serve a God that knows what triumph is and how to have victory. And then he says this, and my own sheep will hear my voice. Will hear my voice. Are you a sheep? Yes, you are. So can you hear God's voice? Yes, you can. Is it difficult? No. Do you need to be a prophet to hear the voice of God? No. What do you need to be? A sheep. And you are. It's that simple. So you can. You just need to believe you can. And what many times happen, we hear something. And we trust God. And if it doesn't happen, immediately we think, I haven't heard him. So then we give up. But the thing is, if we have heard him, we need to keep following him in our highs and our lows. And finally, we will always see our breakthroughs. They will hear my voice and I know each one. Each one. So he doesn't say, ah, this is a church. I know the church. I know the flock. He says, I know each one. Name by name. I know your challenges. I know your dreams. I know your passions. I know you came to church today. You had questions. I know. Just knows. Isn't that amazing? So if you can accept that, 
that he's never leaving nor forsaking us. It's everywhere in our, in our situation. So that means we can always hear his voice in anything and in everything. So, but the most important thing I still believe to hear his voice is in his word. So he says this, you need to stay, if you want to hear the voice of the shepherd, I think it's quite simple. I'm used to have a translator now, so I missed my translator, Marianne, on the front row. She was so good. But, so then I had the shepherd on stage. So I was looking back at my shepherds, nobody. But anyway, if you have a, if, if there's a shepherd, and you stay close to the shepherd, you can hear the voice of the shepherd. It's that simple. So what's staying close to God? Stay in my word. So how, how many words do you need to read? Some people think at least every day, 10 chapters. I wish you luck. <laughs> Even a pastor does not do that. But you have today, you have those smartphones. So this, this side, so then you don't have a brand. And they give you a Bible verse every day. Fresh. So if you just take that Bible verse, read it, think about it, make some notes about it, maybe read the whole chapter, or maybe search on certain words you find in the verse, where is it more in the Bible, then you deepen the word, you can hear his voice, and there are in one year time 365 Bible verses in your heart that the Holy Spirit can use to remember you what God is saying to you. So you give God 365 options a year. So if you, I'm bad in calculating, but if you follow God 10 years, then he has 3,650 Bible verses to speak to you, to bring you in remembrance. So it's very easy to hear the voice of God. So the second thing is you say, yeah, but Peter, you know, if you know there are certain circumstances in life where, I, where I'm in. You know, it's the divorce in the middle and the bankrupt. And I, I'm, I'm maybe I'm going bankrupt and my emotions are all over the place. And I can't even focus my thoughts. How can I hear God in this situation? Even then it is simple. You don't always need to hear God for yourself personally. If you have a shepherd, you have a flock. Have you ever seen a flock of sheep? They are all shoulder to shoulder, like you sit now you are all a bit like, but you, you, you can just move and you feel, feel the other. You know, people are like in a flock. So if you can't hear God, but you are in the middle of the flock and you walk like this in the flock and you stay in touch with people and you move in the same direction as all the people move, you're still following the shepherd. Even if you don't hear him, you're still following the shepherd. And the good thing is this, if the shepherd turns around and speaks... You might not hear it, but your friends are hearing it. Or they are hearing the same that you have heard. And they start to encourage you with what they heard about you. And you say, happens to be, I read this in my Bible. And now you say this Bible verse to me. And then we are amazed. But there's nothing to be amazed of. If the shepherd turns to the flock and says something, everybody hears the same. So you can hear God. How often is it? You can walk in church and you have certain thoughts and you come and the sermon is like, oh. Or somebody shares some things. Oh, I thought the same. It just means you hear the same shepherd. 
So the biggest mistake that I see people making in Holland is that when they go through difficult circumstances, they decide to have some time for themselves. Uh, you know, I don't feel too well. I, I first need to work this through. And then I come back to my small group. All right, if I have worked this through, then I will serve again in church. By the way, the next month I will not only be in church because I have to settle certain things for myself. And when I have settled it, I will come back. Mostly those people are totally lost in the end. Why? The Bible says a sheep that walks alone ends alone. The good news is that a sheep that ends alone is always going to be found by the good shepherd. Always. So you can go where you want and walk off and make stupid decisions. In the end, Jesus will find you and he will bring you back. But the sheep that he's finding is herded, is tired, and has no capacity to walk on his own feet back home. So, why would you like to end in a place like that? So, if you are here today and you are in difficult circumstances and you're playing with the thought, maybe I should have some time off, I would say, don't take time off. Move even closer in. Because you are, divine, you, are defined, you are designed to have a relationship with the Father. And you are designed to have a relationship with other people. You are not designed to walk alone. You are designed to walk in a flock, shoulder on shoulder. And sometimes that's uncomfortable because the other sheep, they stink. <laughs> Some of them did, did not do their hair. Especially when you're very close behind the other one, you know, they're very smelly. <laughs> Just think about it. So I can't imagine why people don't like it to be in a flock. But Scott says it's absolutely the best for you. Yeah, so about one and a half year ago, I was at home working on a sermon, and I think I had a revelation. A profound revelation. And as I wrote it down, the world started turning around me. And I knew you can be dizzy. So I was like, oh, I'm dizzy. But the world turning around you was new for me. In English, they call it vertigo. I never heard about it. Anyway, I thought first it's a demonic attack. So I stood up from my desk. Ilona was not at home. She was traveling in England. I was alone at home that week. And so I thought, you know, I break it immediately. So I stand up and I walk to my kitchen. It's quite the walk, about 10 meters. And, and after three steps, I couldn't walk anymore. So because I was, was turning like this, I, lose, I lost all balance and I fell on the ground. And it was like if you go to a playground and you have the turning wheel. You know, and you step on the turning wheel, it goes quick and you stand and then, and then you fall down and it feels you are glued to the, to the wheel. Like it is like absorbing you. And I thought in the beginning, I, I, I'm going to die. I'm like going to, is, is this dying, being swallowed by the earth? And after five minutes, I found I wasn't dying. But I found out I started throwing up because I got so dizzy, I had to throw up. And it was 9.30 in the morning and I wasn't able to move till about one o'clock in the afternoon. And then I was creeping on hands and feet back to my office when my phone was on my desk. And I was desperate enough, to, I think, maybe to creep to my office. And I called my wife. She was in England. And she 
She said, she heard how desperate I was. So I thought there's something so totally wrong with me. Uh, I had no idea what it was. So she called my daughter, she called an ambulance. I hate ambulances. You know, when I see them with the lights on and, and the bells on, I think, oh, I'm so happy I'm not in that. I just don't like it. And the last thing you would be normally is like that, uh, that an ambulance with, with lights on and the bells on arrives in the street, you know, and carrying you out of the house and the whole neighborhood is looking what's, what's going to happen. You don't like it. But I tell you, at the moment you're on the floor and you are desperate and you are so sick and you hear them coming, it's the best music you ever heard. I loved it at that moment. And they helped me and they gave me injections and say, go to a doctor. I said, I can't. In a few hours you will. Those injections will help you. So in the end, the doctor said, I don't know what to do. Uh, we don't know exactly what it is. Um, so I decided just to go on with life. So it was on the first day. So Sunday morning, bang, preaching. Full Sunday. Monday, on the plane to Iraq for a week. Nothing happened. I thought, I fixed this. And then after summer holidays, busy church calendar again. And then it came back every 14 days. And then I was for hours helpless. So in the end, we came back from a trip in Israel with a group from our church. I had an attack in the bus. We arrived home. And they brought me home, actually. Couldn't do anything. I slept the night, the next morning on a plane to Chicago. Uh, on the plane, another attack. And so I said, Lord, I have faith, but I need, I need a bit more than faith to conquer this situation. And so for me, it's normal when I have a challenge to read the word. It's great he's your healer, but what does God say specifically about my situation? You know, so you have faith and you have expectation. But many people want to have realization. They want to see their miracle. But what you need for realization is a, is a piece of revelation. If you have revelation, you will see realization. And if you have heard God, then you are hearing something, and now you start to speak something. I heard and I speak. And that means faith. And if you have a Bible verse, then it can help you to imagine, to think, ah, oh, if I arrive there, so if you would be David and you think, oh, wow, how would it feel when Goliath is, Goliath is going down? How would it feel when I cut off his head? How would it feel when he'll, the whole of Israel is rising up and chasing the enemy in victory? How would that feel? That's imagination. So, yeah, if you have a good word, you can have some imagination. And the Bible says if you pray... With imagination, God is doing far above. You can pray and imagine. And certain people separate praying and imagination. But praying is like faith. You do it with your head. Imagination, you do with your spirit. You start to see, to feel, to taste how it looks when you have the victory. That's imagination. So if you have imagination and you start to pray from imagination, then your prayer is totally different because then you see it as already done. So you start, thank you, Lord, for my healing. Thank you, Lord, for my breakthrough. Thank you, Lord, for the victory on Goliath. Thank you, Lord, that everybody got now energy and everybody is changing the enemy. Thank you, Lord, it's the beginning of my kingdom being established. 
it's a totally different world and you start to pray from imagination. So I don't know what your challenge is. And maybe you have faith, but do you have expectation? Maybe you have faith, but do you have imagination? On one wing you can fly. You need two wings. So I, 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 I just took my Bible on my phone. And I read the following word. And then, after your brief suffering, and I read it, and there were two things. I thought this is good news and bad news. The good news is it will be brief. It's a season. The bad news is why would God say it's a season when it is not over? But I don't know what your challenge is. But the first thing you need to do is to declare it's a season. If you follow the shepherd, yeah, you might go through a valley, but it's a season. You don't stay there if you keep following. So declare whatever you're going through. It's a season. It's going to change. And then what I read further on in this translation is this. The God of all loving grace, who has called you to share in his eternal glory in Christ, he will personally, he will not send a prophet, he will not send a healing evangelist, he will personally, he will personally, he himself will personally restore you and making you stronger than ever before. And I have all the power to do this into all eternity. That is good news. And if that is true for me, then it's also true for you. You are in a season. You are in a season. Declaring your head and start to believe it is a season. And start to believe that he has all the power and will personally see to the fact that your situation will not stay the same, but it will change in the name of Jesus. So, now the exciting thing is this. I got this Bible verse. And after I got it, people start to text me. You know, which Bible verse? They texted me. This Bible verse. Why? The shepherd spoke. He spoke to me, but he spoke to the whole flock. As a pastor, I'm part of a flock as well. I need as much a flock as you do. I'm just a sheep in the flock. Maybe with different gifts and different talents and different callings, but in the end, I'm a sheep in the flock. Like you. It's no difference. Anyway, brief suffering. So we landed in Jakarta. I had to do five services in, the, in, in, in John Mogi's church. I think you know John Mogi. He has been here. I barely survived. Took five days rest after that because I had to go to Manila and I thought, I need to be fit in Manila. So I did everything to be fit. We arrive in Manila, eight o'clock in the morning before the four services like here today. Eight o'clock in the morning. Just chatting with the pastors in the back room and all of a sudden, the world starts to turn. I fell off my chair and I lay on the ground from eight o'clock in the morning till about two o'clock in the afternoon, only able to throw up. I say, Pastor, 
I said, don't worry, it's a season. It's a season. You know, but I felt my pers- myself, my per- personally for myself, I felt so ashamed. I felt nearly guilty. That I flew all the way from Holland to Manila, laying on the floor, called to preach, cannot preach. They didn't put any guilt on me. They were lovely and helpful. I had to go to the toilet. I couldn't walk, so they, they picked up, they picked they, they took my hand and they dragged me over the floor, out of the office, over the hallway, all the way to the toilet, left me alone so I could do my thing on the toilet. Like, so sick. But the good thing is, today I'm healthy. It has been a process. God has been guiding it. It was November in Manila. I went back in August and said, hey, I'm back. This time I'm preaching. <laughs> I was back on my feet, not fully healed. I wasn't yet there. I was in process. I felt it became stronger and stronger. But today I can say I'm healed. And that's a miracle because the doctor said, you're chronically ill. We don't know what to do about it. And other people that have it, most people are not able to work. They can go in environments, they say, with a lot of lights and screens and sounds. That's not perfect for people that have your kind of disease. And most of them can't work anymore full time. That's what the doctor said. So what do you hear? But God said, so if people ask me, Peter, how are you going? I said, I'm not yet there, but it's a season. And God has promised me he will make me stronger than ever, ever before. And, you know, we, we were singing this tonight, you know, the things that the devil or the enemy meant for evil, he's turning around for good. So your challenge, what feels evil and ugly, when it is turned around, You are stronger than ever before, and your story is able to transform the life of people around you. I have only six minutes left. Let's talk about David. You know, David was found to be anointed as king when he was with the sheep. Nobody expected he was going to be anointed as a king. But I think David expected it somewhere. He wasn't surprised. So, but the amazing thing is when he was anointed as king, nobody became friends with him. Nobody started to mentor him. They sent him back to the sheep. And I think then, what would David have thought at that moment? And I think he thought this. If God can find me at the sheep to anoint me as king over my seven brothers, then he's also able to find me and to make me a king at the moment he needs to do that. And his opportunity comes some years later when Israel is in the battle with Goliath. And we all know this well-known story. And everybody has expectations on David. Saul expects he's going to wear a professional armor and he tries it on and can't move. And actually he's going to battle with Goliath just having a stick and a sling. And you need to know, you know, you don't need a lot of professional armor to do your thing for God. Your life experience, your story, what you have seen in life, what you have experienced in life, is everything you need to see your victory. You have everything you need for your victory. God doesn't need to do anything for you. You have everything. You have his word. You have your life experience. You have your gifts. You have your talents. You are perfectly in in the place and in the spot to have a victory, like David. And David is facing Goliath. Goliath is three meters tall. His armor is 50 kilograms. 
So 50 kilograms, I'm a little bit more. But about my size, just the armor. And then his spear, only the point of his spear is six kilograms. It's a small kettlebell. So Goliath is standing there over there with his spear, six, and then six kilograms over there, armor, 50 kilograms. And then, and then David is walking up. And the whole of Israel is believing, oh, this boy is going to be slaughtered. And the Philistines are on the other side, and they say, this is going to be funny. And Goliath, he's looking to the situation, and he sees David coming, and he says to David, am I a dog that you approach me with a stick? So Goliath is looking at this like, this makes no sense. They sent me a boy with a stick. I'm here with my, they don't take me serious at all. And then David starts to communicate. And he's communicating a few things. You know, and I want to say this. As Goliath underestimated David, so underestimated the powers of darkness, Jesus. Jesus beat the enemy by a simple wooden cross. And David is going to beat Goliath with a sling and stones. And Goliath is being surprised, as Satan was surprised when Jesus turned up. But David, he, communi he communicates faith and expectation. He says the following. You trust in your armor and weapons, but I trust in my God, faith and expectation. Now he's going to speak a revelation and realization. You think my God is powerless, but my God will give victory. And by the way, God decides who wins and he's on my side. And then he's going to communicate expectation. And here we have little David, 17 year old, wooden stick, a slick in the stone. And Goliath is over there and says to Goliath, hey Goliath, I'm going to take off your head if you don't sort. And it is not, if you think about it, it doesn't even sound serious. A little boy with a stick and a sling and a stone saying to the child, I'm going to take your head off if you don't sort. You know what I believe? When David walked up, he walked up with his sling and his stones. He knew what he was going to do. Where, where Israel saw Goliath and then ran away in fear, David approached Goliath in faith and he was listening to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit said, look, there's a sword on his side. That's your chance. Your stone will not kill him, but your stone will get him down. If you get Goliath down with the stone, then you pick his sword and you kill him. And you have the victory. That's what he did. Pick his stone. And your stones are just your stories. Like David, I defeated the bear. I defeated the lion. And now I will defeat the giant. Things he had never done before. And he's slinging and the stone is hitting Goliath between the eyes. And he falls down. And the Bible says, and David runs picks up the sword 
and cut off his hand. Many people think they have many chances to see their breakthrough. The truth is this. If God opens the door, you have to seize the opportunity. You have to seize the opportunity. There are moments where you can have your breakthrough. And if you don't seize the moment, the door closes again. Israel was on the border of the promised land. I said, oh, we can't do this. God is bad. He brought us here to die. There are giants, there are armies. We can't do this. The next day they repent. They also so sorry, Lord. You are a way maker. You are a miracle worker. We know you are our provider. You have proven it all those years. Now we will do what you say. And God said, thank you for repenting, but 40 years going around. Certain moments are there for breakthrough. I think tonight is a moment of breakthrough. So let's stand on our feet. And let's close our eyes. And you have faith. You don't need much. A little is enough. You have faith. That's why you are in church tonight. But now, we are going to work on your imagination. Because if you have imagination, then you can be grateful and you pray from a different perspective. So I imagine, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, how would it feel if you share your friends and your colleagues your breakthrough? How would you sing? How would you shout? How would you dance? How would you feel? What would happen to your friends and your peers and your family when you tell them? Look at their faces. What do you see on their face when you tell your story? What would you do if you have your breakthrough? Just keep imagining. Feel it. Experience it. When you have this picture, this imagination, start to thank God and to pray in the powerful name of Jesus.